Talking about stuff, talking about things, talking about you, talking about me. It's not a wild country, and we are celebrating. It is Canberra. Conversations in the capital. Hello, my name is Henry. Welcome to Canberra Conversations in the Capital. Today, inside Canberra's only late-night cafe, Kita, I am joined by musician Lucy Sugarman. An artistic fusion of her Vietnamese heritage and musical inspirations from the 60s and 70s, Lucy's lyrics delve deep into her everyday experiences of navigating modern love and life, presenting to the listener catchy vocals and memorable tunes. Performing from a young age, Lucy continued to fine-tune her craft, culminating with the release of her debut single in November 2020. Ever since, it has been non-stop for the singer-songwriter, performing at music festivals and selling out single launches. As 2021 continues to be a breakout year, Lucy remains dedicated as ever. Collaborating with some of Australia's best whilst releasing hit after hit. Lucy, how are we doing today? Well, thank you, Henry. How are you? <clears throat> I'm not going too badly. It's, it's, it's been good. We're currently chatting in Kitta. This is where you directed your first music video for your debut single, I Wanna Kiss Boys Cause I'm Bored. Tell me about A, inspirations behind that song, and B, some memories of that music video shoot. Gosh, I wrote the song around my 18th birthday and it was kind of like a figurative story in my (laughs) head, but also about, you know, you're going into like adulthood, so to speak. I finished (laughs) school and you're kind of like leaning into that more grown up dating sphere. And I was kind of exploring that and being like, oh, the avenues have kind of opened here. You know, I haven't really thought about boys like this before. I had just come out of my first heartbreak, Mm. like at the end of year 12. And I was very sad. And I was like, oh, I can see other people now. (laughs) That's a thing. And so I kind of wrote about navigating those feelings and how doing that and like rebound relationships and just kind of like going on dates and so forth just because wasn't really good for me because I was little baby, just 18. It was not good for my head space. Yeah, absolutely. I still am. Anyway, I went through like a couple month phase of like, just like being like, boys, ooh, I'm going on dates. And then I stopped and I literally did not really kiss boys. My friends were like, ha ha, Lucy kissing boys all the time. And I was like, there is nothing going on. But yeah, it's just kind of exploring that natural growth finding yourself period that I'm definitely still in. So that was what the song was really about. And then the video, I was like, this song is kind of silly. And the title (laughs) people, you know, hear it and they're like, what is going on here? That's a little saucy. (laughs) But that's not really. It's a very normal thing that I think we should all be able to speak about freely. It shouldn't be taboo at all. Mm. Like it's it's very normal. Um, Yeah. So I was like, how do I want this character to be portrayed? Um, and I sat down with my friend, Chris Walsh, who's an incredible videographer, photographer. He does like all my press stuff and a lot of my videos. Um, he's a really good friend of mine. And I was like, how do I, yeah, how can I communicate that this song is kind of like a jab at myself? Like yeah. it's definitely making fun of me. So I was like, I'm going to completely lean into this character of being the serial data girl who's crazy about boys and boys, 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 boys. And so the idea was basically inviting all my ex-lovers to a cafe and grilling them on why they broke up with me. (laughs) Kind of being like, oh, you're the bad person, but really it's painting me as like the crazy person. So yeah, it was a really fun process. And I remember it was just a lot of laughing and dancing. And a lot of my friends that came along had never really acted in front of the camera. Um, So they were like, oh my gosh, this is kind (laughs) of strange, but they all smashed it. Chris edited it amazingly. He's so talented. Um, So yeah, I was really proud of it. Yeah, it came out really good. Thank you. (laughs) 
Let's let's go back a little bit. Uh, give me some insight into the early years of Lisa Sugarman and her music. Like, what got you into singing to begin with? So I was lucky that my parents were always super into music. Like, we'd always be listening to music while we were, like, cleaning or having dinner. There'd always be something on the CD or the record player. Um, I think my earliest interaction with music would probably have been the Wiggles. And I saw a lady on the Wiggles playing the violin. Oh, yeah. And then I was just like, I want to do that. That looks pretty cool. Um, my mum was definitely going to make me play violin or piano anyway yeah. because she is Vietnamese and <laughs> that's a very cultural thing for that's to fine. happen. Um, it's one of but, three, right? Yep. Yeah. Violin, when, piano, a, when a child's born, it's not boy or flute. girl, it's violin yeah. or piano. Like. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I saw the lady playing the violin and I was like, I want to do that. And then they were like, you're two years old. You can't. <laughs> And they're like, when you're four, we'll get you a violin. And they thought I would forget, but I didn't. And I was like, where's my violin on my fourth birthday? <laughs> anyway, so I did that. And then I grew up listening to a lot of Nora Jones, Carol King, Missy mm. Higgins, a lot of amazing female songwriters. So I always thought it was really cool. I would always love to like jump at the piano and try to be like them when I was little. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I saw Taylor Swift, actually, when I was about eight or nine, as a young female songwriter, having success and being very outright about what she was writing about. She was writing about very young themes. Like, she was one of the first artists, not one of the first teenage artists to have success, but one of the first teenage artists to have success and be explicitly writing about the teenage experience. Mm. So it was a very, like, relatable and more attainable thing. And I think seeing that and the representation there kind of made me realize, oh, that's like a career you could do. Yeah, Songwriting's a thing. So it basically started out just wanting to be Taylor Swift and I just write songs that like sounded very similar to <laughs> Taylor Swift songs. Um, and then I started busking and doing a lot of performing and entering any talent shows. I was really lucky that my parents were super supportive of that. And they were just like, yeah, like you do you. The rule was I'd have to pay for all my own gear. And sure. I was lucky that I found that in the early days through busking that I could, I was just funding all my expensive music gear habit from a very young age. And I built very good spending habits as a result, (laughs) apparently, because it'd be like a fair amount of money for a nine-year-old. I'd be like, woo, I'm getting this thing now because I can and it's my money and I earned it. My parents like, okay. Um, So yeah, I guess it was just doing a lot. Like I lived and breathed performing and being an obnoxious nine-year-old <laughs> when you say you wrote songs that sounded like taylor swift are we talking like which 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 era of taylor oh, swift are we talking? Speak now yeah okay sure that yeah. time when they, they came out around that age it was very very formative for me and then i branched out and That's i kind of got into songwriting as more of an art form like 14 15 yeah yeah uh, well speaking of 14 15 when you were 15 you auditioned for the voice australia and you were ultimately a finalist uh, on team seal for 2017 i actually remember watching that space oddity blind audition at, at, at the time when it happened what was it like to experience a reality seeing show like the voice at such a young age yeah well yeah experiencing a show like that was very surreal it kind of went over my head and you're kind of in this weird bubble of like oh, i am in the big room with the big stage and there's lots of cameras and I'm singing a song and now they're talking to me. It was pretty intense. Yeah, I yeah. guess it was just kind of like a day-by-day thing. What they do is they generally scout people to audition. So mm. they kind of got in contact with me. It was like, we'd love for you to come through and have an audition for the producers. Um, and I was like, no, I don't really want to do that. Um, and then they called us on the phone. They're like, you can just come try it out. Like, you don't have to sign anything. You don't have to agree to it. Just come see 
have a feel for it like it's really comfortable and safe space and props to them i think their duty of care in that kind of reality tv environment was really great Mm. um and i think they were as transparent as possible i've heard a lot of nightmare stories coming out of tv shows like that um of a similar about and different reality tv shows and yeah i think they handled it all pretty well and above the books and things like that so I went to the audition and yeah, just kept getting through rounds and I wasn't really <laughs> expecting it. I was like, like what is I'm literally 12. <laughs> All these people are like singing like Beyonce and I sing folk music. Yeah. This is fine. I'm just here. <laughs> um, but I think they just needed like a child to like fulfill that. Like sure. she's a child, okay. the youngest contestant ever. Oh, this one seems what? mentally stable and can hold a conversation. We pick her. Because um, <laughs> there were so many talented people. Sure. Yeah. I think a lot of those shows, it's dependent on like, what's your story? How good are you at speaking in front of a camera? Sure. And are you tolerable to be around? I was okay, I think. Maybe. They considered Who knows? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so did that and uh, just kept getting through. And I was like, epic. Uh, and then basically for the live finals, um, we lived in Sydney for like five and a half weeks. My oh, dad had to come because I was under 18. Yeah. So dad gave up his life for me for like two months and oh, he would come up every week for the pre-records as well. Dude, like so grateful. And it's very lucky that like he was able to, and he just had to sit there for five weeks. I think he watched everything <laughs> possible on Netflix. He just like go for a walk around Fox studios and like meet celebrities that he just didn't know were famous people. And he'd be like, like talk to them, talk to them. And he'd see them on the, sh- on the show later. He'd be like, Oh, I talked to her. I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like the, the cast dad for everyone. He'd be Aww. making everyone toast and tea and just hanging around, taking lots of pictures. It was really lovely. And I think I was very lucky because it's such a roller coaster environment you know those elimination rounds they are live you don't know what's Mm. going on yeah it's very high intensity especially when you're 15 yeah and i was very lucky to have such a grounding person around me at the time yeah it was again very surreal kind of feels like a weird fever dream Mm. but it was weeks and weeks of like 14 hour days six days a week kind of thing um we'd be up at four or five and home at like eight or nine so yeah lots of talking as well i think most of the show you talk rather than sing yeah and a lot of standing in wardrobe trying on outfits and a lot of <laughs> sitting in the makeup chair so they can try different makeup yeah. looks and get them approved and things yeah it was cool it was pretty weird i think the weirdest time was i was just driving on like this freeway in melbourne and they had like a big voice billboard and i was mm. like oh it's me oh wow <laughs> Epic. look at that <laughs> it's all constant how much did your life then change after the voice because you would have had to just casually go back to school and everything right? like after it <laughs> yeah. was done did general perceptions about you change when you when you when you got back well, what was that all like oh yeah big time again it just felt like a weird fever dream i was like by the end of it, i was like yeah i'm ready to go home didn't know <laughs> like how much it had hit at home yeah but then i got home and i was like yeah dude that was like all everyone talked about for weeks i was like that's random. Don't you have things to do? <laughs> the, the amount of articles I found online about you being on The Voice yeah. from camera-related article givers, that's thats a word, was a lot. Like, it was, there was so many. It was I wild. think the other thing about that show is it definitely gave me, like, a crash course in how to do interviews and how to handle media and how to deflect questions and how to speak a little more succinctly. Yeah. It taught me a lot of my social skills and a lot of my public speaking skills, which was great. It was quite useful. I think I was a pretty quiet, like, music kid. Like, Mm. I had my close friends and I just hung out in music rooms or just, like, did the musical. I was just, like, chilling. 
I think it was interesting to get back and suddenly everyone's like, oh, my friend Lucy. And I was oh, like, I've talked to you a few times. All but like, of a sudden. Yeah, it was a bit work. like that. Yeah, but okay. the thing is, no one was really super mean before and no one was particularly nasty after. I think it was just like, a, you know, it was exciting for me and it was nice that people wanted to share that. I didn't really experience anything too difficult or bad i completely understand like and you know when i see other people doing cool things you know i want to like talk to them about it yeah, and i'm interested in it so like, i completely get that i think in a way it was forced coming out of my shell mm. definitely like socially at school yeah and i guess like what that was four years ago now so it's like this weird distant memory i haven't spoken about in a long time there you go um I'd be interested to find old interviews from like each year as it gets further and further away to see how my perception of it has changed. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think it was cool and, you know, uh, there are some things I definitely would have done differently. I'm not sure if I would personally send my young, like, child to it. Right, sure. Um, not that my, my parents were like, are you sure you want to do it? They never, ever made me do it. That yeah. was definitely a me thing. So, and they were very supportive throughout and they were like, we don't want you to do anything you don't want to do, but we're here to support you if you want to do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of like morals and ethics with reality TV that I'm like super interested in now. And when I watch TV shows back, I'm like, this is this, this is this. I wonder how their mental is in this capacity because yeah. it's a really weird, tumultuous roller coaster thing to go of course. through. Well, yeah. thank you for looking back on that with me. That was, that was, that that was, was a nice. really long winded nice answer. I'm so no, sorry. No, it was really good. <laughs> I mean, if, like, like you said, you haven't reflected on that in a while now. It's, it's cool to see yeah. and hear about your thoughts now after all this time. A bit of a deeper music question, because after the voice was done, you you didn't stop doing the music. That no, kept that all. kept happening. Yeah, uh, and you kept writing. Uh, break down your songwriting process for me. How how do you go about writing a song? When do you write a song? Why do you usually write a song? Gosh, cetera, that is a very big question. Yeah. I think I always start these kind of questions with my favorite thing about songwriting is that it happens differently every time Mm. and there's no kind of set formula of how things can go you're literally making something out of nothing which i really enjoy about that process um i think first and foremost it's always been a huge emotional outlet for me and a way for me to sit down and kind of go through what all my thoughts about something might be Mm. if it's inspired me in any way shape or form so i feel very lucky to have that kind of outlet I think when I'm writing alone or just in my room or at home or in my home studio, a lot of the time that's just because I had randomly had an idea while I was doing something else and I'll sure. stop everything and just go and do it. Hmm. Um, when I go to say a writing session, which I really enjoy and I find that I'm at my best when I'm collaborating with others and I've got a set day that I just have to show up and if the ideas don't happen, then you have to start looking at the craft of how to write a song. Um, So normally what I start with with that, if I'm going a more formulaic approach, is I'll pick what I want to write about, start with a broad concept, and then I'll just kind of jot down any way that I can articulate that concept or anything that relates to it or how would I describe it or what are some words that I can associate with this. So I start with that and then we're kind of looking at, okay, is it a happy or a sad concept? What would the chords be? Or what are the melodies that instantly come to my mind? Or what kind of like sonic palette are we dealing with? Hmm. And then I guess it's just like putting together a puzzle. I generally like to start with the chorus because I feel like those are the trickiest to do well. And also once you establish a chorus, then you can build from it. 
my go-by quote that is verses are for you and choruses are for everyone. So choruses, I kind of like to go like a more general thing. I'm like, how can people catch on to this? Mm. And then the verses, I like to dive into the details and like, how can I turn my individual experience into something like universal that people can um, relate to? But again, that's very general. I could go on and on about this because it's something I really enjoy speaking about. But yeah, start with a song. I generally like to do the song without doing too much production then build a production around it. Mm-hmm. But I've been trying to do a little bit more production first and then top line over because I feel like they really complement each other and they're just as important. Um, but I think my favorite type of songs are songs that can survive the campfire test, mm, which is yes. if you're around a campfire with a guitar, they'll still be just as good. Yeah. Generally like to take it away and then if I decide to release it, I'll come back to it and tweak things and then we'll build the production and then so forth. How good. Yeah. How good. So many single releases in this last year. So many of them. I do it all again with Lanx and then Colorblind and Golden Boy in 2021. Everything met with extremely positive reviews as well. The folks at Triple J absolutely adore you from what I was reading. Tell me more about those latter two songs and the stories behind them. Yeah, so I actually wrote I Wanna Kiss Boys Cause I'm Bored and Colorblind in the same week. It was the week that I turned 18. I wrote Colorblind on my 18th birthday. Hmm. To the date. Look at that. I remember we went into the session, it ran late because we had tech problems and then we started with a different idea and it just wasn't working and it got to like two or three and I had to be out of there by like six. Mm. And we literally were like, oh, maybe we just won't come out with a song this time for the first time. And I was like, oh, I had this idea, like all these red flags, but I'm colorblind. It's like, wait, that's pretty good. Yeah. And then it just like flowed within like an hour or two. Like it was one of those songs where I was just very free flowing with the lyrics. I wasn't really following super conventional rules or worrying too much about it being like this polished pop thing. And I think it's probably one of my favorite songs I've ever written um, because it feels very, very authentic and very me. It's still very youthful and young and naive, but like... (laughs) You know, and also the production is super cool and clever. Dylan Nash, who I wrote it with, who also mm. produced the track, is so talented. And it was a lot of me, like, making weird noises, like, oh, let's do this. And he just, like, do it. I have a really fond memory from that weekend. We did a single launch at the Lord Gladstone in Sydney on the Friday and then drove back early Saturday morning to play at Somersault at Stage 88 um, with an incredible lineup, And mm. it was with my friend Kobe, and we just had the most fun weekend ever. So, yeah, I'll always look back on that single release really fondly. And then the second song, Golden Boy, which came out really recently, um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to put it out because it's very mouthy. <laughs> um, it's very silly. We, I wrote it with my friends Charlie and Hannah in, like, a few hours, and I was like, oh, it's very on the nose. Also, kind of mean, like it's a joke, (laughs) and I don't actually think this way now, but it could be perceived wrong, but also kind of catchy, ah, oh well, it'll just, we'll put it out. Oh, it's Um, a very fun song, it's probably my favorite song of yours. Oh, thank you, oh, I'm so glad, I'm so glad to hear that, yeah, I love it, it's fun to, it's fun to listen to, it's fun to perform. Yeah, I wrote that, I think, a week or two before the world shut down. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Last, okay. So yeah. it was one of my last sessions. It was the last time I was in Sydney before COVID lockdown. And I was in Sydney a lot that, mm. that year. 
So really fun memories of that song too and got to go on a little tour with a fellow Canberra artist, Reverend Bones. We did a song, we did a show at Canberra, launching it and then we went to Melbourne for a show. It was really cool. So I think they're both very playful songs and they're quite contrasting to I Do It All Again, Hmm. which is the song that I wrote with Lanx. Yeah. I adore that song to pieces and we wrote it for my project and it was one of my first writing sessions and... I remember I saw his name on the list of sessions I was in that week and I was terrified because I'm such a huge Lanx fan. I was like, oh my gosh, like, he's so good. Like, ah. Um, and I got in the session. He was just like the nicest, most warm and genuine human ever. And the song flowed really easily. And he really encouraged me to just like put my ideas forward and really listen to what I was doing. And this poor, like, guy was just listening to this 17-year-old, like, cringe about her <laughs> ex-boyfriend and be like, man, I'm sad and I'd do it all again. <laughs> I wouldn't do it all again, just mm. so you know. Disclaimer, um, just on the table. <laughs> but um, it was quite different to a lot of the stuff that I subsequently wrote. And it didn't necessarily completely fit in the direction of my project as it stands. Mm. And Will was like, Lanks. Sure. Um, Will was like, hey, I love this song. I would love to see you put it out. But if you don't want to put it out, I'd love to put it on my album and have you as the feature. And I was like, I'm for that. I'd love that. So, yeah, it was the first, like, kind of, like, little dipping my toes into, like, releasing music. Mm. It was a really exciting first song to have out in the world because, you know, it was very authentically me, but it was for an artist that I really admired. And it was one of the first tracks that Will completely did all the production himself. We worked on it through COVID lockdown. He was actually in New York and it was... Yeah, it was such a cool project to be a part of. It's really exciting, and I love singing that one life so much. Yeah. So, How good. Yeah. Well, it's you mentioned this before, but it's it has been a huge year for you in terms of both collaborating with or performing alongside other major names in Australian music. You had some songwriting sessions with uh, people like Alex Leahy and Odette, but then also you ended up opening at the Somersault Festival back yeah. home. You joined a really top-tier lineup of people, including, what, Montaigne, John Butler, Cat Empire. It must have been such an amazing time working alongside some of Australia's best musical artists. Dude, that was literally, like, one of the best days of my life. <laughs> Kobe and I had so much fun. And um, our friend Joel, who's in Hands Like Houses, like mm-hmm. came. he actually got us the gig. Wow. And he came on board as, like, our little... Uh, a manager like <laughs> assistant for the day so like the, it was just the three of us mucking around backstage all day you know the lineup is tapped when montaigne's at the bottom yeah yeah <laughs> so that was it was so cool just getting to be around such incredible musicians who are also just such lovely souls and just getting to chat to everyone backstage and you know i was just like chilling playing my set and you look over and jump up was <laughs> watching i'm like ah oh, no. it was actually <laughs> so bad he came up to like kobe and i and was like hi like i'm john welcome to the tour and all i could say was i know ah oh, i felt so bad i'm sure that's happened to him before but he was like yep <laughs> but he still came and watched the set so that was fine but it was so cool because we were first and i was like oh there'll be like a couple of people there were so many people that came just straight away early and came out to watch and such a beautiful, warm audience. I think everyone was just really excited to be out and seeing live music yeah. and having everyone around and everyone was dancing in their seats, covidly safe distanced. <laughs> um, and everyone was just like, the spirits were so high and I was just like left the festival like buzzing. Oh, like, good. And I think we were also super lucky because we got to watch it all from side of stage. Mm. 
we were allowed to dance because we had this massive space of just course. to ourselves. Yeah. I was just jumping dance around. Front row to Cat Empire <laughs> was the best thing ever. Um, but it was just amazing, you know, getting to see all these musicians doing their thing and yeah. chatting about music and so inspirational. And the audience were amazing and it was a beautiful day. Oh, I could go on and on and on. Like, I am just like smiling thinking about it. I mean, that um, is fair it enough. It was amazing. What? It was probably the first major music festival Canberra has had in over a year. Yeah. Right? And it was and one of the, the first that I've gotten to be a part insane. of. And, you know, we got the call for it like two days before. Yeah. So I didn't know that was happening. I was going to like <laughs> buy a ticket. God, I didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... So you were still in Sydney when you got the call? No, no. So I was at home and then we ducked up to Sydney on Friday. Right, and I drove okay. back Saturday morning for it. Dang. Um, yeah, and it was cool just getting to share the experience with one of my best friends as well. So, so yeah. good. All right. Fantasy booking time. If you could make an EP of songs, which were all collaborations, what is your lineup of dream features from the current present day? Oh my goodness, that's a question. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just going to go off instinct right now. Sure, it's not yeah. going to sonically make any sense. First and <laughs> foremost, Taylor Swift. Of course, T-Swizzle. Like, no brainer there. Sure. She's the reason I started music and forever my favorite artist. I know her discography back to front <laughs> and all the unreleased songs. Um, I've always wanted to collaborate with Flight Facilities. Yeah. I just think their production style is so cool. And... I'm such a fan of yeah. them. I would love to do a song with an artist called Theo Katzman. Mm-hmm. He's um, in Wolfpack. Um, I love his solo work. So we're going five, yeah? Sure, yeah. Okay, Chris five. Martin. Chris Martin from yeah. Coldplay. Give him Absolutely. Coldplay or just the Absolutely. whole Coldplay. I don't know. One of them. Probably Chris Martin. I like. I just love his style of piano ballad and it's very much seeped into my writing as well. So I think that would be really cool. And then, ooh, gosh, this is such a good question, but it's stressing me out. Because I'm like, God, who takes who takes the fifth spot? Who takes spot? the last spot? Probably, can I say two, but like on the same song? Yeah, you can say two, but on the same Carole song. King it's, and your, James it's your Taylor. EP. I mean, Carol <laughs> King and James Taylor. Yeah, together. nice. Some old school in there. Dude. Yeah. Like, Carol King was the first, um, Tapestry by Carol King was the first album I ever loved. And then I'd also like to do Nora Jones or Miss Higgins. Anyway, could go on. That'd be epic. I strong, need to get Ed Sheeran album. level of Ed Sheeran-ness and just do a whole collaborations album. Ed Sheeran level of Ed Sheeran-ness? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> You're currently at like a different we're artist like one, level of Ed Sheeran. We're 1% <laughs> yeah. of Ed Sheeran currently. We're sure. getting there. We're getting there. Well, you've grown up in the nation's capital and you've seen it expand. Recommend to me a hidden gem of a location in the city and sell to me why I should go visit. Gosh, there are so many places that I'd recommend right now because I'm such a Canberra enthusiast. Yeah, absolutely. And people come here and they're like, eh, Canberra. And then I take them to all the places like, oh, I love Canberra. I'm yeah. like, dude, Canberra <laughs> pops up. I think one of my favorite places to go at the moment is Gang Gang Cafe in Downer. Yeah. So recently the Conway Brothers took it over. They're in a band called Slow Turismo from Canberra, um, which is one of my favorite Canberra bands ever. And they're managing it. They, they bought the place and they're running it. And gosh, it's become such this beautiful community hub. It's a great cafe, first and foremost. Like, yeah. food's amazing. Sweet treats, coffee, beers, wine, Love to see it. everything. 
Um, open from seven till five, which I really like because cafes close at three and it yeah, stresses me out. That's it. So that's great. They also do nights. So they have gigs. Hey-o. They have gigs Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're like booked up until August or September. <sighs> they have such a huge range. They've got like pop, jazz. They got electronic. They got everything. They have comedy nights. They have trivia nights. Like it's just such a it's special space. And Look it's always busy. I'm yeah. never there and it's quiet. Everyone loves it. It's becoming so much more a thing. So I'd really recommend going there. It's a beautiful location. And I think it's definitely like making down a more of like a hotspot for That's everyone it. to just come and hang out. Absolutely. Um, it's just so warm and welcoming and the staff are great. And live music. So many things. Can't go wrong with live music. So yeah, gang gang. Gang gang. <laughs> gang gang. <laughs> As we've already established, a massive 2021 for you so far. But what does the future hold at this point? What's the next steps? For Lucy Sugarman. So I um, said it in all my press releases, so I'd actually follow through, but I'm releasing my first EP this year hey. towards the end of the year. So I'm just in the process of finishing that off and getting it ready to put out in the world. It'd be like my first like body of work, which I'm really excited about. Is it currently titled? No. Untitled EP? We'll get there. There you go. We'll get there. <laughs> Um, a lot of things I need to focus on and look after. That's what I'm literally going to do after this. Um, <laughs> yeah, so EP coming out, more shows, um, and letting people into the Lucy Sugarman world and getting to know me a little bit better. Absolutely. If people want, they might not want to. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sure this is. I'm sure this will help. You know? like we've got <laughs> yeah. a nice little insight into. Yeah. It. So doing that, and I guess just working on my craft and trying to learn more and get better and. See what happens, really. Yeah, I'm just really excited to get to create and have the opportunity to do this. I think I'm very, very blessed. Yeah. And finally, the floor is open. Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Any general Um, messages? Go see live music. Go support your musicians. There are so many amazing gigs and events on in Canberra right now. We're like the live music capital of the world because we're the most open place, arguably. Um, so go fault, out, baby. yeah, <laughs> dude, and all our amazing musicians have that, that have gone other places have had to come home. So they're here. Go out and check them out. There's so many amazing venues. You can find it all on Facebook on different groups and keep an eye out in the newspapers and online. Just go see a gig. Even if it's something that you wouldn't normally see, um, you'll be pleasantly surprised. The vibes are at an all time high at the moment. And I recommend you just, yeah, go out, buy their merch, buy tickets, support them. It's been a tough time for everyone, especially live musicians, because it's mm. one of the last things to go back. There it is. Vibes are high. Lucy Sugarman, thank you so much for this chat. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Henry, and from Qatar in Narabunda, Canberra, this has been Conversations in the Capital. Stay safe, be kind, and we'll see you soon.